Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello. Welcome back to Say Why to Drugs with me, Susie Gage. As you probably know by now, I'm a psychologist at the University of Bristol, interested in understanding the relationship between recreational drug use and mental health. This podcast is about recreational drugs more broadly, though. Each episode, I discuss a different substance with Scroobius Pip, and we talk about the harms, but also the potential benefits of these substances and the myths surrounding them. So far, we've covered cannabis, alcohol, tobacco and MDMA, and they're all on iTunes and Acast if you want to go back through and listen. I've also been writing up each episode on my blog, Sifting the Evidence, which is hosted on the Guardian website. In this episode, Pip and I say why to ketamine, a drug that seems to be extremely popular, certainly in Bristol, where I live. And although it has quite substantial risks to heavy users, it's also extremely useful as a medicine. So without further ado, here is episode five of Say Why to Drugs. This next one's interesting because this is probably the drug I've got the least knowledge on. I've tried Mm. it once, but can't particularly remember, you know, much on it. Okay, so let's talk about ketamine. Ketamine is a dissociative anaesthetic and it's another synthesised drug like MDMA and it was first synthesised in the 60s and it had its first medical use during the Vietnam War. What's the appeal of ketamine as a recreational drug? Like I remember when I was at university, it was kind of seen as a step up. You can move on from pills or MDMA or whatever, and or if it was if you're having a particularly crazy weekend, it was seen as being, as you said, it would really get you very off your face and so on and so forth. And that bizarrely, at a time, can be exactly what you're looking for. You know? Yeah. So it's yeah, it has been sort of used as a club drug, but it's also a kind of drug that people who call themselves psychonauts would use so it's a a way of looking at inside space and we'll talk a lot more about this when we do psychedelics probably in the next series Uh, not when we do psychedelics sorry when we talk about psychedelics psychedelics. to be clear that would probably be a very interesting podcast (laughs) to record but not necessarily to listen to so some people say that ketamine (laughs) might um get you into a kind of Gnostic state, like a way of sort of understanding yourself and understanding the world. Right, and that kind is, of, again, that is a huge, a huge thing now with um, 
what is it that people go to Peru to do? There's there's the, there's quite a few different drugs that are again exactly that. It's, they're being used for almost a spiritual yeah, experience absolutely. and to enrich your your life and your thoughts and all that as a yeah. And that tends one. to be how recreational drugs were used in in sort of historical. Right. times it's like yeah. they started off as use in rituals and in trying to commune with gods or spirits yeah. i mean obviously this is a synthesized drug that was first synthesized in the 60s so it doesn't have that kind of a mm-hmm. rich history but it does seem to have slightly psychedelic effects as well as being an anesthetic the short-term effects and um, the intoxication effects tend to come on very quickly because it's usually snorted or smoked. So yeah. these are both ways where it gets into the bloodstream pretty fast and then can get to the brain first. As you might expect, it raises heart rate, which you might not expect from an anaesthetic. It's a, quite, it's a very unusual anaesthetic and we'll come on to its, its sort of medical use later on. Sure. It can lead to cognitive impairment. It can make it difficult to speak. It can affect your sort of executive function, Mm decision-making abilities. Uh, All affectionately referred to as a K-hole. Again, in my days, it was known as as it could put you in a K-hole, which would mean that you can't... You can't really move or engage that much. Well, You're I think this is the, apparently an- the a wonderful time, but yeah. nature. But sort of even before you get to that point, it can yeah. have these kind of effects and perceptual changes. It can in sort of this dissociative effect where you feel separated, where you, you, your consciousness feels separated from your body. Right. Depersonalization again, this kind of, I heard someone once describe it as the, the, dissolution of the ego right um which i'm not necessarily sure that i understand but then i is my ego so maybe that's yeah, why yeah and as i it said sounds romantic doesn't yeah. it it's, it's, again it well, sounds I'm, like this this a little yeah, bit of mythologizing yeah, i think exactly. going on here as well yeah. um so it is a painkiller so and a sort of um anesthetic so it can make it hard to move and this is kind of the k-hole where you mm-hmm. can start having hallucinations and potentially yep. amnesia afterwards as well and because it can make people confused and disorientated and make it hard to move, it can actually leave people really vulnerable to assault and attack. Right. And so it has been used as a date rape drug. Right, yeah. Um, so it's something that if you are ever considering doing ketamine, it's really important to do it in a safe environment because it can leave you really vulnerable because it can affect your ability yeah. to move and your ability to remember and your perception. It's, it's like it's one of the scary things about all these drugs that we're discussing really is that the majority of them are generally taken for the first time in really dangerous environments, um, in, in a club, on a night out. And mm. again, if you're, if you're new to anything, it seems like a bad... You know, you'd think that any drug that you want to try or choose to try, you should try in a controlled, a, a safe, controlled environment yep. first to see if it is for you. And again, this these podcasts aren't here to be pro or anti any drugs, but logically, if you're going to try something, it makes sense to me that number one, you'd want to know as much about it as possible, and number two, you'd want to know what it's going to do to you before yep. you allow it to do that to you around people that might be able to exploit that absolutely and i think this is a message that people they find it quite difficult to give because it's worried that it might be encouraging drug use but if people are going to use substances the best way to do that is as you say in a safe environment with a really small dose to begin with and build up to a dose that is pleasant over over time period because it will be personal to you but that's not the way people tend to experience no. Drugs for the first time. People tend to experience drugs for the first time when a friend or someone Other people are doing it and gives so it to and them, so forth, and yeah. they're out, and they're possibly, probably already drunk. Yeah. And 
ketamine certainly can interact with alcohol in a really dangerous way because they're both um, depressants. So. Right. Oh, within all of these, I'm always quite happy to be quite open about any drug use I've previously had. But the fact is, I think almost every drug I've ever done, the first time I've done it, it's been with me and some friends at someone's flat, at someone's house. And I think that's why I've not, I don't have a long list of terrible memories or associations with drugs because there's been that a lot would say it's boring but in my mind a logical and responsible approach to to any new drug of going right if if we're going to do this let's see yeah. let's see how it works and how it feels i mean recreational drug use at all levels is harmful or has the risk of being yeah. harmful but if you then do it in an environment that's already harmful or with other substances that are yeah. also harmful it's like there are levels of harm that increase and that's was, one way to really increase it is to do it, it was, in a dangerous environment. It was one of the interesting ones on, on, on the alcohol episode was the kind of repetition that despite all the actual clear physical and psychological potential issues, one of the biggest issues is that it will make you make silly choices. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's the thing. And because we do those, alcohol is something that is very much drunk out in public, out in situations... That's one of the greatest risks and, and one of the things that causes the greatest cost and, and damage as a society is that the scenario in which we uh, consume. Mm. Anyway, back to ketamine. Yes, I sorry. Think we've got, no, it was a good discussion to have, I think. Yeah. But, um, so those are sort of the short-term intoxication effects of ketamine yeah. and they vary. So at small doses, you can get these kind of slightly similar to psychedelics effects mm-hmm. and at larger doses, you get this painkiller anaesthetic K-hole kind of get really inside your own mind but quite unable to move or interact with other people perhaps. Yeah. Um, But there are longer-term harms from ketamine that are pretty problematic that are sort of emerging at the moment as it's become more popular as a recreational drug and in particular bladder problems and urinary tract problems. And this tends to be restricted to really, really heavy users, people who use ketamine most days. Mm -hmm. But in its most severe states, these can be really extreme problems with the bladder and it's not really very well understood at the moment but the thought is it makes the bladder wall thicker which means it can store less urine and then it can also make it harder to go be more painful you can end up with blood in your urine as well and and some people have reported that they've found it really painful so they've taken more ketamine to numb the pain and this has kind of become a cycle a pretty bad effect and it seems to be limited to really really heavy users but it's certainly something to bear in mind that yeah. it's, a, it's a real problem. Of course, yeah, that's grim. In fact, someone said to me, oh, a myth about ketamine is that it dissolves your bladder. And that is a myth, but it certainly does have bad effects on your bladder. Yeah. So, so you can see why these a, myths yeah. can sometimes be related to reality. Yeah, 100%. It can lead to addiction and dependence as mm-hmm. well. Um, it's not necessarily a really strongly addictive drug. I think there's not that much known about the addiction properties of ketamine yet. Yeah, But certainly people do become dependent on it perhaps also then because of this kind of cycle that we mentioned here is that if, if it's causing them pain and then they're using it to numb that pain that becomes of course yeah there's some suggestions that it's linked to depression and anxiety if mm-hmm. it's become a chronic use but again this could be withdrawal when you stop and potentially linked to memory problems in current users the evidence at the moment seems to suggest that in current heavy users who are using it around 20 times a month they see these memory problems but so far, they haven't seen any memory problems in former users, which suggests it might be reversible that after you stop, then, right. the, then you could sort of get your memory function back yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, these are all quite small studies. Um, it's that age-old problem of it being quite difficult to research. Although it is 
used medically, it's used in quite a different way medically, and we'll come on to talk about that in a minute. Mm -hmm. But when it's used sort of recreationally, it's quite often used in different ways at different strengths and that kind of thing. So it's hard to research again because it's kind of still emerging a bit. It hasn't been that common a sort of recreational drug. I was going to say of all the drugs we've covered so far, it feels like it's the least common of the recreational drugs Mm. so far. It's it's interesting what you were saying because it isn't isn't something that occurred to me. I'd say, again, of all the drugs we've covered, it's kind of the the most isolating in many ways. It does feel as if it's a drug that it's not as social if you know what I mean. It is quite, as you were saying, it's quite an internal or you can go into yourself quite a bit. So it's an odd choice of recreational drugs, is I guess is yeah it, it is what I'm saying because it, it it it's not like MDMA that seems to make you so engaged and interactive or alcohol that everyone's your best mate until they're your worst enemy kind of thing. It's yeah yeah, it's odd yeah I think it's it's more similar to things like mushrooms, psilocybin, yeah. and LSD and yeah. those and sort of psychedelics like that. So myth busting. Yep. Ketamine is horse tranquilizer. Well, sort of. Um, It is used by vets. It's really, really useful anaesthetic uh, for small and large animals. Yeah. Apparently it doesn't work on cows. Right. Although I read that on Wikipedia, so it may not be true. I was going to say, it's it's, it's always... Because I'd always heard it as horse tranquilizer, which is weirdly specific. It is, That that it's only horse (laughs) tranquilizer. It's like you'd kind of think, but if it doesn't work on cows, then they're kind Mm. of the same size. So it's quite quite specific. It's, It's rightfully specific, I guess. But yeah. But I should also mention that it's on the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines. Right. And the reason for that is it's really, really useful as an anaesthetic Mm -hmm. in countries or in locations where there isn't respiratory ventilation equipment. Right. Because it's one of the few anaesthetics that doesn't also affect or inhibit your breathing as much as other anaesthetics. Okay, that's interesting. So it's really useful in developing countries um, as an anaesthetic for that reason. And it's really useful in emergency trauma situations as well because it can be given as a painkiller that doesn't lower blood pressure. Most painkillers will lower your blood pressure, but this might actually increase your blood pressure. So if your blood pressure is is too low, it might even even help. So it does have really important medical uses, which make it really difficult to sort of talk about the legality of it as well. And in the UK, it's used certainly in in palliative care for pain management. Instead of giving people opiates over long periods of time, you can mix up. So sometimes you get um, your opiates and then you have a few weeks on ketamine Mm -hmm. to sort of prevent you from becoming addicted to the opiates. Right, yeah, sure. To sort of break up that kind of dependence. Right, that's fascinating. Again, this is the first one, I think, that we've discussed that has real solid and already functional, important yeah, medical absolutely. use. It's not kind of a, well, there's some suggestion that it could help here. It's like, no, this is important and helping a lot al- already as such. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons it's not the most common anaesthetic to use is because it can give you these sort of psychedelic effects yeah, as well, which sure. could be problematic. But it's quite often if an anaesthetic doesn't work in someone, then they will try this as a sort of second or third potential right. anaesthetic. I see. In terms of sort of anything else interesting about ketamine, um, I've sort of mentioned this before, but it interacts with other drugs quite a lot. So it can be particularly right. problematic if you're if you're taking multiple substances. So because it's an anaesthetic, it can increase the effect of sedatives, so things like alcohol and opioids. Right. 
That's but it can also be problematic for stimulants because it also increases blood pressure. So this can kind of lead to palpitations if you're taking it alongside other stimulants, so potentially even tobacco or certain types of antidepressants, for example, as well. Right, that's it can, interesting. It can lead to palpitations. Anytime drugs are brought into the social sphere, they're often going to be mixed with numerous other things because of it being a night out, it being this or being that. So that's interesting that yeah. it's kind of, it makes all the other drugs a bit more dangerous. Or certainly more unpredictable. Yeah, yeah. sure. And what do we still not know? There is some suggestion that ketamine might be useful to treat depression. Right. And these are pilot studies at the moment, but um, using it in a single low dose intravenously, and they've been shown in these pilot studies to reduce depression for up to two weeks after this has happened. Right, wow. But obviously this is a very small sample, needs replicating and needs to see whether it can have more long-term effects. But treatment-resistant depression is a real problem at the moment because the treatments we have for depression so far, all of them were found sort of by chance. Right. And... They don't work for everyone. There are a small subgroup of people. And again, this could be due to differences in genetics or all sorts yeah. of things. We're not sure what makes these people not respond to these to current antidepressants. And it's one of the toughest things about the, the medication of depression is that everything that can be prescribed has to be tried for a certain amount of time. And if it doesn't work, that's not working on someone who's already exactly. having to deal with Absolutely. stuff not working and not helping. So to then go through that trauma of going, right, we've just tried that for ages, it's not done the thing, you're back to square one. Yeah, yeah, it's a horrible cycle and mix of finding what works for who. Yeah, so people, I think, are quite excited about the potential for ketamine here because it operates on completely different brain circuitry to right. the current antidepressants. Yeah. So it really is a, a very different method to try yeah. and treat depression. So hopefully potentially interesting things will be coming out of this yeah. in the years to come and I'll be able to do an updated podcast in a few years that yeah, will tell us great. all about yeah. it. Also, ketamine is being investigated as a treatment for alcohol addiction as well. Right. And again, I think this is a similar kind of thing where these are really early pilot studies, but I think it's really important to emphasise that the difference in situation of use of substance can change it from a harm to a benefit or vice yeah. versa. Yeah. And... Um, it's just, yeah, it's quite a complicated picture, but really quite exciting as well that, that potentially these other useful effects yeah. from something that's seen as, as quite a negative. It's fascinating because, again, it brings it back to the kind of scenario discussion that we were having on the MDMA um, episode is the fact is you put it in a club and it's this one thing that it's, that it's mixing with alcohol and it's mixing with this and it's this dangerous thing. You put it in an A&E and it's completely different thing and beneficial and then you put it in... Um, a, a situation where you're prescribing it for depression, for for alcohol addiction, and things like. That. And it's yeah, it's so it's so interesting that we always think of these drugs as it's just the drug that is is everything, but it's very much the situation in which that drug is consumed yeah, and the manner in which it's it's taken that changes completely the possible mm. dangers and and benefits. Yeah, well, I think in future podcasts, when we particularly when we come to talk about cocaine, for example, the yeah. different routes of administration for cocaine, like depending on how you consume it, it can have hugely different effects. Yeah. Tobacco, nicotine is differently addictive depending on how you consume yeah, it. Yeah. All these kind of things and the environment as well as the method of consumption. It's it's really nuanced picture that yeah. quite often you just don't have the, the time or like you get the luxury in these podcasts to actually really get into the nitty gritty yeah, about, and get it, out about there. it. Yeah, That's fascinating. And there you go. 
Now, as always, if you're struggling with ketamine use and want to cut down, I've included links in ACAST to the NHS website advice. Now, I can't tell you exactly what episode will be next, because Pip and I are meeting up on Monday to record the next batch. But rest assured that more are on their way. And as always, if you have any comments or suggestions, then please get in touch. I'm at Suzaphone on Twitter. So join us again in a couple of weeks when Pip and I will be saying why to some more drugs. You've been listening to Say Why to Drugs with me, Dr Susie Gage. The music was by Jim Murray and the artwork was by at My Name is Ad. Thanks to Charlie Williams for editing. Say Why to Drugs would not have been possible without the generous support of I'm a Scientist, Get Me Out of Here, the Medical Research Council and Scroobius Pips Distraction Pieces Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.